When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's that sound you hear coming from the trenches? It's former Minnesota Viking offensive lineman Jeremiah Searles. It's time for the Tuesday morning left guard show on Purple Insider. They're too strong, my dog. You're too strong. Hello, welcome to another Tuesday morning left guard. It is not Tuesday morning in which we are recording this, Matthew Collar and Jeremiah Searles. So it's really kind of meta, the name of what it's become this year. No, I'm just picking on you, Jeremiah. You needed some time to mentally process. You had to go to a dark place and you had to think deep and get over what you saw on tape in order to be able to talk about it. I had to let the moon cleanse my crystals my Mm -hmm. chakras to make sure that i didn't bring any bad energy to this podcast because when i was i didn't actually get to watch the game live but i was following it i actually texted you and i was like hey um i don't want to do this i (laughs) I can't believe this actually happened like i'm watching this game back as i rewatch the tape and it's like did we not want to win or did the lions really not want to win but did they just kind of like oh we might actually be able to do this. And then the last second, they're like, because my first initial thing is like, I have never seen a quarterback in the NFL get two delay of game penalties in the two minute drill. And the first one, he just wore too. Like, my favorite part was Jared Goff. He goes, he's like, it's like kind of done. He just tells him, he's like, mm, just stop. Like, he just stops everyone. They're like, oh, delay of game. He's like, yeah, that's right. We'll figure it out. We'll just keep rocking. And like, even the commentator, like, this is just unacceptable. This whole game was just unacceptable. There was nothing acceptable <laughs> yes. about this game. Like, we all watched this game. Everyone who watched this game that's a Vikings fan walked away from that going, that's three hours of my life. I'm never going to get back. And I just watched it again. I'm like, well, I, it's infuriating to watch because week in and week out, this team is the most inconsistent team in the NFL. It, that, that's kind of where I'm at with them. They're, they're hot. They're cold. They're up. They're down. But you can't win football games being inconsistent. And this team has to be the most inconsistent team in the entire NFL. Well, I mean, two weeks ago, they beat the Green Bay Packers. And I was. Throw- <laughs> yeah. Yep. Through the roof. Yep. Chucking the rock all over the yard. Game winning drives. Uh, U.S. Bank Stadium all excited again. And, everyone, you know, all those things. But um, that, you know, I think that what it comes down to is when you have the weaknesses that they have and that, you know, they've made their own bed with a lot of them. And then some of it is bad breaks. I, I mean, Christian Darisaw getting hurt, which, oh, people want to know what you think about the <laughs> offensive line combination. Um, but, uh, but you know, Christian Darisaw getting hurt, just kind of a random thing. If you don't have Eric Kendricks, you usually are bad on defense because he is the heart and soul of the defense. You can't pressure the quarterback. This is a thing that um, we kind of predicted that, And we said, if there's one path to the Lions winning, it's you can't pressure Jared Goff. And he actually throws it down the field, which in the first half he did. And that's how you lose. Um, But more than anything, I think if you look at all the teams that are 500 or below in the NFL, every single one, you'll be like, 
Um, they won that one game or uh, how did they lose to that other team? Like we're so in our, you know, horse blinders, Vikings, everything, whatever else. We don't go through like the Eagles schedule, uh, but I bet if you went through the Eagles schedule or Washington, didn't Washington beat Tampa Bay mm-hmm. a couple of weeks ago? Like this is just what it means to be like this, I think. And that's who they've been for a long time. Well, this is like the seventh circle of hell, dude. Like there's just, there's nothing fun about this. Like you just, you constantly like work yourself up to thinking you might be something. And then you just show up on Sunday wearing your purple and gold and you're all excited. And then you just get kicked in the balls for three hours. And you're just like, come on. And I mean, when I look at it and I, again, I try and take off my fan cap and put my objective hat on, but you know, we're real objective journalists here, but you look at the, and we're going to start with it. We're going to go there. We're going to go to the offensive line it's where you begin right it's where the whole thing goes you got smurf one and smurf two in there and garrett bradbury and mason cole the best signing we had in the offseason and then you put your other smurf uda udo and you're like hey i know you've been playing right guard cool it's a really good skill set but you're gonna go start at left tackle and you expect like you expect him to be like, yes, sir. And he's going to go out there. And he did exactly what I thought he was going to do. He got beat off the edge. He jumped off sides twice. Then the first time was just like, okay. And then the second time was just miraculous. Like he just like looked around like it was everyone else's fault. That's my favorite. When the one guy that jumps offside looks at everyone else like, well, you idiots didn't move fast enough. It's like, no, that's your fault. So he put out here, Ezra Cleveland got beat like a drum. The only person that had a really good game, again, was Brian O'Neill. Uh-huh. And, yep. and that's kind of where it comes now. You watch Brian O'Neill, you're like, yeah, really good. Hits people with his hands, set square, no one really gets around him. Everyone else, you know, it's kind of like hold your breath, cross your fingers, and hope you cross your eyes before something bad happens. And majority of the times, I mean, the fact that Kirk was able to get the ball off as much as he was was pretty impressive because they like to rush five. The Lions were like, you know what? We're just going to line up in a bare front and just put everyone on one-on-one matchups and see who can beat us. It's the simplest pressure of all time when you have an offensive line that you know cannot win one-on-one matchups. And then all of a sudden they throw a couple twist games in there and, oh, boy, oh, boy, the world got set on fire. And it's just – it's ugly. It's an ugly thing to watch. It's not a good thing to see. And there's no answer unless Derisaw comes back. And even then it's like, okay, well, do you leave Mason Cole in or do you put our boy number one penalty? What's that stat mean? <laughs> and back in the, you, I don't think you way. can put, I don't think you can put him back in. If you, if you already made the move with Mason Cole, when Derisaw comes back, I think you got to put him on the bench. Oh yeah. I definitely think so. Uh, the thing is about Derisaw, doesn't seem like he's going to come back against Pittsburgh. So no. this could be another oh, team that has the most leading sacks in the entire NFL. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's probably a good idea. So how do you think they came to the conclusion that this was a, the plan? Um, because it, here's my thought and we just really got no explanation. And Mike Zimmer even today said, Oh, I thought they did. Okay. Um, they did not do okay, but I don't know. Maybe he's just, he really just picks and chooses the moments that he wants to heave somebody under the bus. If you say, yes, we completely made the wrong decision, moving the guy from right guard to left tackle. Then what kind of happens there is it sounds like an excuse for Kirk cousins. And it also really, you don't want to alienate your offensive line coach. That's a really bad plan. And that's happened before um, at times. So, you know, maybe he's learned some lessons that he didn't want to do that. But how do you think, since we couldn't get an answer, they came to the conclusion that this was the right way to go? 
my theory is that they felt like Oli Udo would be better in the run game than Rashad Hill because Rashad is just very poor in run blocking. And also the last time he played against the Lions, that was against Trey Flowers, who's actually mm-hmm. very good. But um, it was a struggle. Like he didn't play very well in that game against the Lions when he and Darisaw mixed in and out. And I wonder if that was the last taste left in Zimmer's mouth. And he thought, I want something different. Or the offensive line coach had been watching practice and said, like, oh, Rashad's kind of checked out after we benched him. I mean, there's a bunch of reasons it could be. It still seems like kind of a classic thing to do of like, let's do this over here and this over there. And like, that'll do it. The number one thing for me is they just don't trust Rashad Hill. Like Rashad Hill should, if that's where they're at with him, then cut him. Like, and I, I, I'm not saying that in a mean way of like, I think he should lose his job, but if you're not going to be willing to put your backup swing tackle in at swing tackle, when a guy gets hurt, but you're willing to take your starting right guard who you've already moved from tackle and bump him back over, then you've lost complete faith and trust in that guy. And you got to move on, go sign another tackle off the street. Like if that's really where you're at with it, because moving a guy mid season from guard who started to tackle it just doesn't make any sense, especially when you look at the fact that they really didn't run the ball like to his side a whole lot. It wasn't like they were like, hey, we're going to put the right guard who's a road grader over their left tackle and, and we're going to run left the whole time. And I mean, I'll say uh, Madison had a good game. I think Alexander Madison, oh, yeah. made some, yeah. he, he played well and there was some holes to hit. But a lot of that was him creating chicken salad out of chicken. I mean, it's just kind of how that goes. He was able to create that. And so the other piece is if in practice – Rashad maybe just couldn't put it all together this week. I mean, and again, when you, it's hard for me to say that because he's played so much football. Yeah. Like this isn't like a rookie, right? This isn't like an undrafted free agent rookie who's your swing tackle, who you're kind of like, ah, I just, I don't know if I like, he started the season. He started yeah. playoff games. Like he's done. So there's, there's something going on there with Rashad Hill, obviously is the big one. But my my other key thing is maybe they wanted to see what Mason Cole looked like at right guard, and this was the best way for them to do that. That they felt like, hey, maybe this is our best five, right? Like, because offensive line coaches and head coaches trick themselves into this all the time. If we just put the best five on the field, we'll be. It doesn't matter if they're the most talented five; it's the best five. It's like, yeah, but if this Yahoo's the best five at right guard, doesn't mean he's going to be the best five at left tackle. And I feel like they might have talked themselves into that of like, this is our best five group. We got to find a way to get these five guys on the field. And I mean, I don't think it'll change come Thursday night. I don't think it can change in a matter of four days when you're talking about the only thing that could happen is you take Rashad Hill and put him back at left tackle and Udo back to the, the bench. That's the only logical move that can happen between now and Thursday night. But that also admits that you screwed it up. Correct. You made the wrong decision mm-hmm. and... We don't I mean, like doing that. We don't well, like doing that. And, and that happened. And actually, Sam Ekstrom brought this up after the game. Like that happened in 2017, where they made the wrong decision moving Mike Remmers to left guard. Uh, but the, <laughs> I'm sure that this makes an mm. eye twitch for you. And I'm sorry for that. But it was so memorable. This I've called it like their galaxy braining with the offensive line. But it was just so memorable of like, Oh, we'll just move the right tackle, the left guard. Sure. He's never played there before, but like, it'll be fine. And then it failed against the saints in the Minneapolis miracle game. Like Keenan was under pressure the entire game. It didn't work. And they just went back to it in Philly. And then Philly had a monstrous defensive line that made them pay. And it's just a thing that they've done over and over and over and over again. Let's move this guy's position. Let's slide this guy over here and slide that over there. 
And it just seems like in, in, a, in a beautiful mind when he walks in uh, and there's all the, the newspaper clippings everywhere and red drawings. It's just like, that's how we're going to set up the offensive line. I want I want this answer from you. Okay. Th- this team has not had, by pro football focus standards, an above average pass blocking team ever in the Mike Zimmer era. It's like a voodoo doll was shaken over Zimmer when he came in and like, ah, you will have good defenses, but never this <laughs> offensive line. Why do you think this is? Because it has haunted them like almost no other franchise. And we're still going into games going, what are they doing? Why is this guy? What? Like, why do you think it is? You know, I think the easy one to say is the amount of, coordinators that we've had the amount of schemes that have run through there you've never let the same group of guys grow and develop under one scheme um so you you mean you i go back even to the 2017 when i was there i don't think there's anyone left from that offensive Mm -hmm. line in there so i mean that was five years ago four years ago if i can't freaking count but and then you say okay well then we had pat Shermer, we had norv then you had um Filippo, and then you had Stefanski and then now you're back to Kubiak and the other like so you're saying you've had more coordinators than you have years of how this goes so that's one way of saying that pass protection is not congruent right you don't have everything every offseason going back watching the tape making sure everything looks the same then the other piece is you just miss on draft picks and, and that's going to be the one we harp on it all the time but you look at the teams that grow good offensive lines. They have offensive lines that are on rookie deals that are performing well. Go back to Carolina when Cam Newton was winning the Super Bowl, right? They got Andrew Norwell, an undrafted free agent rookie who they developed into an all-pro. Ryan Khalil, an all-pro center. Trey Turner, who they drafted in the fourth round, turned into an all-pro. Daryl Williams. like These dudes weren't like first, second-round draft picks, but they were able to develop them by having the same coach, Coach John Matsko, who I was with, who's an unbelievable offensive line coach, who has had the same guys for three, four years and were able to develop them through the system. Turned into a great offensive line. Right? You look at Dallas. Now, they spent a bunch of first-round picks and hit on all those, and we've done that once with Bradbury, and we missed. Um, now you go to Darisaw, and I think that he's going to be a really good player. He's just, again, when, when you're hurt at the beginning of the year and then you come back, like your body's not really ready for that, and like you're going to get dinged. It just happens. And so that's the second piece is you miss on the draft picks. And then the third piece is when you throw the ball the way that we throw the ball, you're not built to pass protect in the deep drop back pass, right? We're built for the play actions. We're built for the the quick game because that's the way that we built the offensive line. Well, when you're playing against like a team like the Lions and you fall behind 20 to six, you're playing against guys and you fall behind, like you have to completely abandon what your identity is in the pass mm-hmm. game, which then automatically puts your offensive line behind. And really in the last three years, that's what's happened. It's been the last thing I just mentioned that happens more often than not, but then you put the combination of all three of those things together and you find yourself with the below average offensive line pass blocking grade. And for me, that's the three factors that really kind of play into this whole voodoo doll thing, as you say. Well, there's another part of it, too, that is, uh, do you have a guess where the Vikings rank in terms of cap space spent on the offensive line? Uh, I'm going to guess dead last. It's dead last. Ah. Yeah, it's dead last. Yeah. And now I don't think it is fundamentally wrong to build an offensive line through the draft. The problem is that if you are flying without any sort of parachute and a draft pick doesn't hit, then you just sink to the ground and die. 
And that's what's happened here. It's like, <laughs> I, I mean, well, think about this. So I just want to run through some things here because uh, this is something I've been thinking about a lot. So Xavier Woods has been an okay player for them, but not a particularly uh, moving signing. Okay. He's had good games, bad games, right? That's tough last play. Tough last um, play. Yep. 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 Uh, a little more on Dantzler probably, uh, but okay. So Bashad Breeland has a 46. Uh, this is sort of, what is that stat mean? But it has a 46 coverage grade. So that's well below average. Uh, Mackenzie Alexander, another free agent signing has a 44 coverage grade. 60 is not really great. So he has 44. Uh, the guys that they signed have just not been impact players on the defensive side. Dalvin Tomlinson is a good player. He is uh, at 400 snaps so far this year. Oh, I also I wrote I have my little notes. The first time he made a positive play, there was 240 left in the third quarter. Because <laughs> I, I mean, I was like, oh, he showed up. I was like, there he is. There's the guy that when you signed him, everyone was like, yes, that man. Woo! Everything's fixed. Three minutes in the 40, he finally had a TFL. And I was and like, that, that's unacceptable if you're going to be that guy. And here's the thing about a nose tackle that you're moving positions and doesn't really rush the passer is that he doesn't really rush the passer. Uh, he has been on, so let's see, 50 or 47 more. I should just sing the song. What does this stat mean? What does this stat mean? Uh, I mean, since we're talking stats here of these guys, these free agents, I mean, Delvin Tomlinson has rushed the passer 50 more times than he's been in against the run because it's 2021. And, <laughs> and so like when you go through these numbers of free agents, uh, Everson Griffin is uh, was good when he was in, but he's not in now. Um, Steven Weatherly, another guy they signed and spent some money on a couple million dollars. They traded him away kind of mysteriously and then got you know injuries and other such. These are the players that they brought in. Sheldon Richardson, his overall grade for this year from PFF, 59. So like an average replacement level player for this year. Uh, they didn't spend any of this on the offensive line. Basic Cole, we traded for him. Traded for him. But like <laughs> there wasn't a veteran guard to put in. There wasn't a veteran. Well, I mean, Rashad Hill was brought back. So I guess there was that. But there wasn't a starter that was brought in. There were some guys who were out there in the free agent market that costs kind of the same as some of the players we just named that haven't been any better than Joe, whoever that you could have signed or, or drafted and developed and put in there. That's playing right now. So I think that that is almost always been the issue that when you're cheap, you're cheap, you buy a, you know, a cheap car, it drives like a cheap car. And even if you try to, you know, like take some, I don't know how to fill in this comparison, but like, even if you try to draft guys, if they end up falling apart and they turn into a lemming, then what, what do you have? You have an offensive line that looks like this. And here's, there's the point I want to tie this back into. That's a question. So I, I think that both of our explanations are like combining to make this exactly why, mm -hmm. but um, how much do we look at that and say, man, Kirk has been kind of screwed here because I'm, I'm always, I have like a meter that I hit with that where I'm like, yeah, kind of true. Yeah. Pretty true for sure. But like, let's not go into the red on that one. Let's not go too far as he heaves the ball up to Justin Jefferson and the guy freaking grows wings and flies over some idiot defensive tackle or defensive back with no chance. Right? Like let's not go too far with that. But I think that, I think that Kirk at the end of this contract, 
should look at his friends and be like, hey, go, guys, why do you think they never got me offensive linemen? Like, what's the deal with that? But also, like, <laughs> why, why doesn't he walk in there and be like, listen, this is what needs to happen. I mean, pulling Aaron, pulling Aaron Rodgers, right? That's yeah, like, if you don't, yeah. if you don't sign Randall Cobb, I'm not coming back. And they did. Like, yep. Kirk has power. Kirk has leverage. And I mean, shoot, they signed his best friend, Tom Compton, and they could go in the rebut buddies together. It got me cut. And I'm not bitter about it <laughs> anyways. But I mean, go in there and, and say, be, have a voice. And I mean, I know teams that do. I've been on teams. I mean, when I was in San Diego, Philip Rivers had a voice in free agency. Yeah, He had a voice in how he wanted to help build his team around. Like Kirk's been in the league long enough. Kirk's been on the Vikings long enough that I feel like he could have a voice to go in there and say, hey, here's what we need and here's what we got to do. And I do wonder how much of this you can put on the fact that George Payton left. You know, I think that George Payton did a lot of the cap and a lot of the maneuvering and was able. And then I don't know if he saw the writing on the wall and he was kind of like, I'm out or like Denver just gave him a really good deal. But I, I do when I look at the way this team's built, especially this year, there is kind of a drastic difference between how the team was built in the prior years and this year. With just the depth and and how quality the depth is and the quality of players that could brought in, and so I do wonder how much of George Payton's difference makes in that. But I, to tie that back to the Kirk Cousins thing, like I do think that when we go back and look at it and go, okay, where would we be without Kirk Cousins? Like where where if we would have had if we have some other Gardner Minshew, right? We got Minshew back there. Are we even close to what we can pull off with Kirk Cousins? I don't know, maybe because he can run around, but I mean Kirk is by the numbers, one of the better tight ends, top, top half, we'll say top, maybe third in the, in the NFL. And so you're kind of wasting talent in that, but the Vikings really just never been able to kind of put it all together, right? They always seem to have two thirds of the pie there are five eighths of the pie. And then the other ones are just completely terrible. And they just never been able to put it all together in the last three years, four years, really. You said tight ends instead of quarterback. I don't know if you know, you said that. Oh, did I? Yeah, I mean, Kirk at tight end, I think, would struggle. Yeah, quarterbacks, <laughs> quarterbacks. <laughs> there, Sorry, there, there are some quarterbacks. Get, I'm worked up, man. I had to watch that like, film again. Tim Tebow could have played tight end, but uh, not, not so much end. Kirk. Yeah, he did in play preseason. Tight end. Yeah, and according to some people, he was cut for being too Christian. <laughs> I don't, know, I don't know, man. I don't know. You watch him try and crack back on that, I, that that inside zone read where he came back and just kind of fell into the defensive end. That's why he got cut. Yeah. I mean, some someone asked me that once, someone who is not in football in another sport. They were like, Do you think Tim Tebow is only not on a team because he's openly Christian? I'm like, have you been talked to football players? <laughs> like, I think there's quite a few who are religious. Correct. Like all of them. I mean, right. very high percent. So anyway, it's one of the weirdest things I've ever seen. Uh, anyhow, that's just going down a road. I don't need to go down. But um, uh, as far as quarterbacks go, it's actually a really interesting question is where would they be? Because there's this like um, spectrum of that. Like, where would they be? Let, let's let's play this game. Like, where would they be? with someone like Daniel Jones, like someone like well below average, but not completely without talent. How much different is it than five and seven? And then where would they be with another average quarterback who maybe plays differently? I don't know. Derek Carr seems like he plays exactly the it's same, good... but maybe just, yeah, like some plays a little differently. He's got a bigger arm. Uh, and where would they be with Patrick Mahomes? Like the best of the best. And answer those because I'm going to think about it for a second because I'm curious what you think. 
Folks, it's that time again where you're doing your online shopping for the holidays. And look, if you want free shipping, I can help you out with that. For all of your Minnesota sports-inspired goods, use the promo code PURPLEINSIDER when you go to sodastick.com. That is S-O-T-A-S-T-I-C-K. You can get their North State beanie, their Adam Thielen autograph shirts, Marcus Foligno fan club design for all of you hockey fans out there, and the one I always mention because it's the best one, the Randy Moss disgusting act. You can put that on a hoodie, shirt, or almost anything else. And plus, anything you want with Skull on it, Soda Stick has it. Again, that's S-O-T-A-S-T-I-C-K.com. Perfect for gifts, and you can get that shipping free by using the code PURPLEINSIDER. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. You know, I think I think with Patrick Mahomes, we probably probably flip it. We're probably seven and five. I, I think we're, we're seven and five. I think he's able to make... A miraculous thing. The dude has a golden horseshoe halfway out his ass. So, I mean, that helps. Um, and then you go with Daniel Jones, and he Kirk's been pretty good about not turning the ball over a ton this year. Daniel Jones is awful at turning the ball over. So I'm going to say we're three win, three win team with Daniel Jones. Um, and then we go with Derek Carr, and we're exactly where we are. <laughs> we're five and seven. I, I think that that's that's kind of how I look at it. And once you answer this, I'm, I'm going to flip it back to you and say, where are we if we have the Patriots offensive line? Where are we if we have the Jets offensive line? And where are we if we have the Kansas City Chiefs offensive line? Mm, yeah. Okay. So with Daniel Jones, I think they probably are. I like three. I think that's right. There are some of these games that he he's definitely good enough to have played well in. And with the receivers, you can always win games, I think, with almost any quarterback. And you saw that up close with Case Keenum, that if you have play actions, a running game, which they haven't had so much this year, but those receivers are going to make you right more than they're going to make you wrong. Uh, so I, I think you're still winning some games, but there have been an, enough. Green Bay is a good example where Cousins was phenomenal and he wins that game for you uh, just by being great. And mm-hmm. I don't think Daniel Jones does that. Great point about the turnovers. The dude has a fumble or a pick like every single game. That's hard to overcome. Cousins has been tremendous when it comes to not turning the ball over uh, in in the fashion and the level of sort of like late career breeze right. in terms of not turning it over. Uh, with Derek Carr, I would say it's exactly the same. It's probably five and seven. It might be six and six because he is a little more willing sometimes to throw it down the field. And I don't want to judge exactly their record this year. I think they were a good team and then a player murdered someone (laughs) and their coach was fired for horrendously racist emails. I mean, I, you just can't really overcome stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, But I also don't think Derek Carr is some like vastly different quarterback than Kirk Cousins. In fact, I looked up who has the most yards when playing from behind over the last two years in the NFL, what quarterbacks is Derek Carr and Kirk Cousins. Yeah, that's about right. If they're playing from behind, they put up a bigger numbers and that kind of thing. So very similar. 
those are quarterbacks who are exactly what the roster is. I think Ryan Tannehill is mostly this way too. They are what their roster is. It's a reflection of your roster as your quarterback. Mahomes, though, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give him better than that. I think they're like nine wins right now. With you Patrick think? Mahomes. Oh, yeah. I mean, these are all close games. They haven't lost a single yeah, game close. That's Patrick, fair. here's the difference between the Vikings and Kansas City. Kansas City is number one in third down conversion percentage. The Vikings are, I think, 24th. Like, that's quarterback. That's just quarterback making plays, especially since they have one receiver and one tight end, and then the other dude drops every pass. Like <laughs> Pringle, Pringle I, can't. Pringle can't catch a cold, Pring- dude. Pringle cans for fingers? Like, what is the deal, dude? I mean, they're throwing them swing passes like, oh. <laughs> nope. Uh, I, I think Mahomes is probably winning some of those games because especially with these weapons, I mean, these are vastly better than just Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey. I think having Jefferson Thielen, uh, KJ Osborne, cook out of the backfield. Like there's, there's a lot more there to work with and their offensive line. I don't know that it's been great this year, Kansas city. Do you think you know, so? I, I, th- I, don't I think th- it's better than ours. Yeah. I think it's, yeah. I think oh, yeah. you, you, and the only reason I say that is the tackle play. I think Orlando Brown's a very, very good left tackle. Um, Andrew Wiley's pretty good right tackle. Um, when you look at it, but I mean, I still go back and forth. I'm not convinced who the best offensive line in football is this year. Um, I want to say the Titans, but it's really, they're all just built the same and they just handed the ball to the horse back there. And you can <laughs> yeah. kind of see once the horse is not really fully going like that, that they've kind of fallen off a touch. Uh, you talk about Indy's O-line still is really, really good Yes, with those guys. And so, but for me, it's like, if you put one of those great offensive lines, I know I gave you the Jets, they're terrible. But I mean, even if you put the Tennessee Titans offensive line in front of Kirk Cousins, and you put him up there. I mean, you talk about Lawan at left tackle and all pro, Brett Jones at center. Like, I think this is a nine win team with that offensive line. And I know I'm talking about like complete hypothetical here is and taking five guys out, five new guys in. But even if you take half of that offensive line for the Titans and put them in for us, like, I think we get two more wins because Kirk, as good as he's been, is even better when he's not under pressure. And his pressure rating is through the roof. I mean, he's always under pressure, especially with some of these offensive or these last few games that I've watched. Um, And you're just kind of like, man, he could be much better. And again, it goes all the way back to we just haven't built around that piece yet. That is Ben Jones at center, not Brett Jones. Jones Brett Jones. Brett Jones is our buddy that they never played. (laughs) That's the buddy that they hated. The squatty body. Yes. The squatty body. Why does he is round? The Searles fact check at the end. That should be the end of the show. I know, dude. It's been a long day. Ben Jones, not Brett. Yeah, you've been traveling. That's I was harassed. I woke up and I woke up in Reno at four a.m. this morning. I mean, that sounds like a bender story, but you're working. Like, you know, like things have gotten low if you're, yeah. you know, I just, <laughs> yeah, it's not a great place. It's kind of a rough, rough neighborhood. Searles really needs the podcast money. Otherwise you would have skipped it. Uh, but uh, <laughs> well, to your question, to your question, I think with uh, another bad offensive line, they're in the same spot uh, because they're bad. Right. And uh, if they could run block really well, like they had at least last year, I thought was solid. And 2019, I thought they were legitimately good at run blocking. Yes. They are not that this year. And so I think that they're on par with just the teams that are in the bottom five in offensive line play. And, you know, I'd have to watch a lot more to understand the nuances there and injuries and everything else, but like put them there with the number one offensive line in the league. I think, I think if you have, tell me if you agree with this, I think if you have the 12th best offensive line to the 23rd 
offensive line, let's say somewhere in there, you're all about the same and you can win with that. And it's not going to be perfect. And uh, the werewolves, so to speak, will get you sometimes and you probably won't win because of it. If you get though, from maybe top, maybe like fifth to 12th, you're, you're doing things that other people can't do. But if you're top five, it's like, it's not quite like having a great quarterback, but it's almost like it. It means you can kick somebody's ass anytime you want to. And that is something that I've just never had the pleasure of covering here. And uh, it's very hard to do. That means five guys probably have to stay healthy. It means first round picks, second round picks better be home runs, not just doubles. And they're solid players. You got, you know, it just, it, it's very hard to, to do. And that's why every year it's almost somebody different at the top of the league in the PFF rankings and things like that. But um, that's, that's something that you could say, if Cousins had that, I would go with, a, if anybody has that. That's how Dak Prescott goes 13 and three as a rookie. Hmm. Like you can do special stuff if you have that. And I think if they did, they'd have probably eight wins right now. If they had the number one offensive line in the NFL. Yeah, I, I agree with you. And, and that's where sometimes I look and think I get play the what if game, right? That's what we get to do when we're terrible. We play the what if game. How could this, <laughs> how could this be this? How could this be that? And, you know, I just don't think it's ever going to change under the Zimmer regime. I really don't. I, I don't think that this is something that he's prioritized. I don't think this is something he wants to prioritize anymore. And that's fine. It's his prerogative, man. His team, right? When you when you got HBC on your head, head ball coach, like you do what you want to do, man. And it's proven this isn't where you, he wants to spend the money on the defense. And so I don't know unless we just start pulling the Cowboys move and like every first round pick is an offensive lineman for the next three years. We're going to be digging ourselves out of a hole because we will not be able to go buy one here in the next year or two. Yep. Unless they move on from the quarterback in some kind of trade. Uh, But yeah, I think it's an interesting thought experiment to wonder. And here's where it comes back to this simulation we live in where the same decision makers make the same decisions all the time and they have the same results is there is a universe where they go into the off season and they say, look, I know we don't have much to rebuild your defense. This, of course, is if Mike Zimmer is not pulling the strings uh, and is not like the head coach. And you just say, we're going to rank 20th or something in defense. There's nothing we can do about that. However, we can get this guy, this guy, this guy on the offensive line. We can stack this thing up and give ourselves the chance. They hit on a number three wide receiver finally on KJ Osborne. That's worked out well for them. Uh, but even that wasn't like a full investment going D.D. Westbrook. That's the that's the one thing that I wonder If you, it's like pull lever A or pull lever B. Lever A is rebuild Zimmer's defense. Lever B is, hey, just go all in on your offense and admit it that you're not going to be able to rebuild the defense in a year. And everyone knows what lever they pull. But what would happen if they pulled the other lever? Because all these games are like a few plays away on offense that just don't happen. Um, But then you always circle back to, would the quarterback make it happen anyway? I don't know, but at least we would have found out. We've just never been given an opportunity to find out. Yeah, and especially, I mean, it's you said it earlier, like it's 2021, man. The offensive world rules the NFL. The, the throw the ball over the yard, and I mean, unless you're playing the Bills and you only have to throw the ball three times to win a game, which, my God, you're <laughs> going to have a quarterback that just rips the rock around. The receivers are too good. The athletes on the edges are too good, and, and you have to kind of – you're seeing the teams go all in on offense to go win it all, right? I mean, look at the Rams, right? They go sign OBJ. 
they they signed Von Miller, but like they're focusing, they go get Stafford in the offseason. Like they understand to win, you got to be able to sling it around the yard to win football games this year or this in the NFL. What is today's NFL? And I feel like Zimmer's still like, we can win games 10 to 7. It's what we do. Like it's just not how it works anymore, man. And, and your defense is not going to be able to be what it used to be with as many guys that have gotten poached off. With, I mean, the corners that you're playing with, I mean, you're just getting old. We talked about a couple weeks ago, your defense is getting old, man. Like a rebuild is going to start from fresh new guys. Then yep. you look around your fresh new guys, and we don't have them on this team. Uh, you mean uh, watching James Lynch get double teamed and pushed back? I sent yards? you a video of where the running back was not touched for eight yards, dude. <laughs> Everyone went on a free ride on the Gray Train Express and just got pushed. No white tees in the club bounced out of there and that's when i was like yep this is a problem how i thought ugly, i was, I thought I was watching our color boy rush though oh so gross i was watching our boy jaleel johnson again dude i was like <laughs> man this is this is tough this is just tough to watch uh before we get to love to see it hate to see it here is a quick stat to just back what you're saying the current rankings of points allowed what does that stat mean uh vikings are 25th but the teams in 17th, 18th, 19th, 21st, 22nd, 23rd, 24th, 26th, and 27th have more wins than the Vikings. So it's, I know that people have sent me like, how are you supposed to win with this defense and everything else? And like, that's true to some extent, offense does impact defense, but also like these other teams are giving up points and they're still finding ways to win because they have good offenses. And if you're right in the game, then you could have a chance to win it as they have had for all these games. Right. And and to back that stat or kind of real quick, and again, I don't have it in front of me, but we have to be one of the worst in the leagues on points after turnovers. Like we have to be close. I mean, you talk about when you go on an offense, like it's almost, if you're going to talk about like, yeah, you're throwing the ball over the yard, like turnovers are going to happen. And the reason those teams that are giving up points are winning is because they're take advantage of the turnovers, like even if it's just one turnover game, so then you go steal a possession from the other team's offense, and now you win by 10 or you win by 7 because you stole that possession. We are just not great of having to like steal the ball and steal the possession and go down and score. I know we had the one at the other – we got the ball on the 15. Yeah, we better score. Like with the Dantzler pick, we go three and out or maybe one first down. It's like th- those are the kind of things that – when you don't go all in on your offense, you're basically just like, all right, good job, defense. Get ready to get back out there in three plays. Like, and, and that's the other piece of this all, too. That's the piece of the puzzle. There's a lot of bad pieces to the puzzle, dude. It's just you can't really put your finger on just one. Sam Ekstrom here, wondering if you're stuck on your company's injury report. In an unfortunate situation like that, it's good to have someone in your corner. That's where Kemet Sanford and Kramer Law can help you understand your rights under Minnesota's workers' compensation laws. There's enough uncertainty in our lives nowadays that the last thing you want is to feel helpless if you wind up in a bad situation after a workplace injury. Kemet, Sanford, and Kramer will fight for you if there's been a wrongfully denied work comp claim so you can get the benefits you deserve. If your claim's been accepted, they help with rehabilitation disputes, medical disputes, help you get a second opinion, and ensure you're getting all the benefits you're entitled to on an accepted claim. Kemet, Sanford, and Kramer will provide you with dedicated and experienced disability attorneys that have secured their clients tens of millions of dollars. Our good friends Mike, Pat, and Evan will handle all that messy legalese to and from the insurance company about your claim while you focus on what's important, your recovery. And there's no cost involved for reaching out to Kemet, Sanford, and Kramer. 
In fact, you don't pay a dime unless they successfully obtain your benefits. You get paid, then they get paid. It's that simple. The website is yourminnesotaworkcomplawyer.com where you can find a phone number to get a free consultation. This is an attorney advertisement from Kemet Sanford and Kramer, yourminnesotaworkcomplawyer.com. Uh, did you ever used to watch uh, the NFL film season recaps? You ever seen no, any of those? Oh, not. they're so good. You can look them up anywhere, like on YouTube. And they always have uh, like funny little names. Even when the team is horrendous, it'll just be like future is bright. And it'll be the lions 2008 recap. And there's the, the big voice guy. The ones in the nineties are amazing. The, the big voice guy will be like, the Detroit Lions may have not have won any games this year, <laughs> but they set the foundation for the future. That, you know, uh, quarterback Dan Orlovsky showed that he can extend a hundred yard field by running backwards. You know, it's, it's so, so great. They're just like classic. But I was thinking of this one because they have all these like cutesy names and they, they used to be, they used to be a little more aggressive with the name. So it might be like your team was asked this year or something, but that it's not like that anymore. But if you were naming the season, I feel like it's just season of regrets. Mm. There's just so like from off season to individual games, to moments, to throws you didn't make to whatever. Like, it's just, there's so many regrets to get to this place because you feel like in a way it was inevitable. And in another way, it didn't have to happen. Right. You know what I mean? So it's just like the season of regrets. The Vikings played the most close games ever in history and found a way not to win a lot of them. <laughs> the season that could have been the season that could have been. So mm. uh, love to see it. Hate to see it before we wrap up. Hate to see it. The college football committee being spineless pieces. You know it. I know it. Everyone knows it. Georgia, Alabama should be playing in the first round again. You should not give them a chance to play for the finals again just because you don't want a rematch. No one gives a shit. They lost. They got blown out. Michigan took care of business, beat Ohio State, goes in there, trounces Iowa. Michigan should be one. Alabama two. Georgia three. Cincinnati four. I am looking forward to Georgia and Alabama playing. Probably. Right? Yes, and that's the thing. They're going to play. Make them play yeah. each other in the in the first round. Like yeah. they're going to play inevitably. Don't give them both the shot at the title again. Like, and it's not. I would be more okay with it if Georgia didn't get the break speed off of them. Yeah. But this mighty Georgia team hasn't let up fourteen points. Got ran out of the SEC championship. So you're going to reward them by like, uh, well, you can play them again in the second round. Like you don't have to play them again right away. Like they should absolutely have to play them again right away. Yeah, the way that they got uh, yes. just demolished. Just dragged up and down the field. I still can't wait for when that inevitably happens that they play each other again because they are the two best teams. Uh, Georgia just needs their quarterback not to be trash. He's terrible. He's very bad. You know, I, I hadn't really seen much Georgia this year. And watching uh, that game, it's like, this is the guy who got them to be like this good, huh? Oh. I mean, if they, they had Bryce they, Young behind that team, wow. You're – Georgia and you don't have like anyone better. There's not any transfer portal unhappy backup at like Ohio state to grab, or I don't know. Well, there is uh, now that one, that one dude that was going to make millions of dollars in NIL deals, just hit the eject button like six months in. Oh yeah. The dude with the hair. Yeah. yeah right. dude, the dude with the, hair. the dude with the hair. Um, so I'm going to say that 
Uh, love to see it. A team wins with three passes. I'm sorry. It's just, <laughs> it's hilarious. It's amazing. It's something that I have done on Madden before. Just screwing around is just like, let's see if I can win the whole game without throwing or whatever. Like it's, you know, you get bored on a Saturday or something. Uh, Belichick, of course, gets to wear the genius cap because the other team's kicker missed and they dropped some passes and stuff. But it's just the funniest thing. And it's only Belichick who would do something like this. And if you don't love that, I don't know what's wrong with you. My love to see it is Adrian Peterson still scoring touchdowns <laughs> in the NFL, dude. Like, sign a guy for a week. It's like, oh, you're on the one-yard line. Hey, Adrian, you want to score again for another franchise? Like, sure. <laughs> and just, you, you love to see but you got to know there's some dude that's just been grinding on the practice squad for like two and a half years. Finally gets elevated to the active roster. They're like, hey, we're going to need you to play this week because, you know, we brought Adrian in here, but he hasn't been here very long. He's probably not going to know everything. So we're just going to work. And it's like, get on the one-yard like, this is your moment. And you just see adrian trout's out there and you tap on the head and you're just like damn it dude like this was my moment and like they just keep letting adrian score touchdowns man just love to see it right your family's watching and everything yeah. else oh timmy's gonna score a touchdown <laughs> like nope wait uh teams hate to see it as team still signing adrian peterson though for me like your love to see it is my hate to see it like what how are, the pro scouts are golfing like they're like oh uh they texted it and said they need a running back. Um, Adrian, Ad- Pe- Adrian Ad- Pearson looks great on tape. Like, <laughs> back to my nine iron. <laughs> Are you guys working? <laughs> There's not oh. some XFL dude who is quicker at this point. Um, who knows? Uh, so uh, let me just, uh, just before like you, what, what's their final record going to be the Vikings? You think? Oh gosh. Um, 11. No, no. Nope. No, that's Doesn't wrong. Work that way. That's not how that works. What what did you do in Reno? Yeah, no, I'm saying eleven losses. Oh, eleven losses. Okay. Yeah, I'm saying eleven loss eleven losses. To 11 wins. No, eleven losses. I'm gonna go there. Six and eleven. So you think Six this whole thing just kind of goes off the rails? I think it all kind of goes off the rails here. Thielen's yeah. out for a while. That ankle injury looked pretty serious. Yeah. Like I, I don't see him come back for a while. This could be a really, really ugly game on Thursday night. I mean, you're talking TJ Watt, Cameron Hayward. Like, these dudes are legit best front in the NFL going against a completely reworked offensive line. And they're just going to pin their ears back and go, especially if – I think Cook said he was going to play. If not, like, he's still not going to be 100%. So, I mean, you can't just feed him and be like, we got to run the ball with Cook. Like, you, you can't. I mean, you can do the one-two with Madison, but – yeah. I can see this thing coming off the rails here towards the end of the year, especially if Barr and, and those guys aren't all back. Like, I don't know if we'll be full strength again by the time the year ends. Also, like playing Delvin Hurt has just never worked. No. Uh-uh. Mm. If they lose this one against Pittsburgh, it's going to be like in Goodfellas when Layla's playing in the background. And uh, if you've seen the movie, you know exactly what I mean. Yeah. Um, so it's going to be ugly. Uh, well, you are in for the rest of the season, though. No doubt. Deck we're is already here. cleared. And so we're, we're in doing for it, this. baby. We're here. We're <laughs> riding it out to the end. So we'll get together again uh, next week, and we'll see what we can come up with. So good stuff from you, though. I mean, it's th- that's the thing. We have no control over how they perform. We, we don't, really but we, we'll always bring it. And we always bring the heat, man. Control what we can control. Yes. <laughs> we're thermostats, not thermometers. There's a little coach speak for you. Wow. How about that? Uh, that's a good place to end. So thanks for your time as always. And oh, yeah. uh, we'll talk again soon.